Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Our God is a God of commandments, and He gives us these commandments not for anything that He needs. He gives us His commandments in order that we might learn from Him and through learning through His truth and applying His revelation to our life that we can serve Him and know joy, gladness, and also experience His provision. Realize that the best place to find God's provision in our life, and I mean that in the fullest sense, that provision that can comfort us, heal us, help us, and also help us to be an assistance to others, that comes when we are in His will. And the commandments guide us into God's will and reveal to us how we should behave in this world so that we bear witness to others that we belong to Him. Let me state that differently, that we are in a covenantal relationship with God. And before we open up the scripture tonight, let me say there is no better thing to experience than a covenantal relationship with God, especially that new covenant And through that new covenant, we experience that redemption, eternal redemption. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Leviticus and chapter 19. Now, I've mentioned commandments, and we're going to see many commandments in this 19th chapter of Leviticus. And we're also going to see that God is calling us to be like Him and here is a very important biblical truth it is when we apply his commandments to our life and we do so properly that we are going to be like him and it's when we are like him that we are going to manifest truth that we are going to demonstrate righteousness and that we are also going to bring about the presence of god in a given situation and when i say the presence of god i could state that differently the glory of god and ultimately that's what we're called to do to be individuals that behave in a way that manifests god's glory and it's through the commandments we are not saved by the commandments they were never given to save us they were given to us that we might live by them and realize that it's only through the Spirit of God dwelling in you and leading you that you can fulfill the purpose of the law. Let me say that again a little bit differently. It's only through the Spirit of God dwelling 
in us and empowering us through his anointing that we can take the instruction of God and implement it in our life, which is what we have been redeemed to do. Look with me to that book of Leviticus and chapter 19. Now, we read here, look at verse 1, Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 1 where it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel. Now again, that word for congregation is derived from the word for a witness, a group of people that bear testimony of a common truth. And what is that common truth? That God is. What God? The only God, the God of Israel. And we need to see that that term Israel relates to the kingdom and not just any aspect concerning the kingdom or the kingdom in a general way, but victory that will be experienced in the kingdom of God. And we find that victory now through obedience, meaning this. It is when one obeys the word of God, his instructions, that we demonstrate victory. And the reason why I say that is very simple. The enemy, he is victorious. Now, he's defeated. He is not going to be ultimately victorious. But he can have temporary victory over us, against us, when he leads us to disobey. That's what he's about. He wants to deceive us so that he can defeat us. And what does he deceive us in regard to? Well, go back to the Garden of Eden. He deceived the woman that she disobeyed the instruction of God. We can say that differently, that she disobeyed the commandment of God. And we know that her husband heard everything. The word of God says that he was with her and therefore he was not obedient. He did not do what he was called to do. He did not demonstrate the love that he ought to demonstrate for his wife. And when we fail to love as God has commanded us to love, we are not glorifying him. We are not pleasing him. And we are not in a behavior that God is going to bless. So look again, verse 1 of chapter 19. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and you shall say unto them, holy ones you shall be. Now, again, we need to remember something. That word holy, and I say this often, but is oftentimes ignored or neglected. The word holy, biblically speaking, is always related to the purposes of God. So when he says uh, holy ones, and we can say the term saints, you shall be saints. Why? Because the scripture tells us that holy is the Lord your God. Now, again, we find holiness in our life. We demonstrate to others that we are saints when we pursue successfully the the 
instructions of God when we fulfill the purposes of God so let me ask you right now when you review this past week what things have you done and accomplished that you have assurance concerning these things are indeed the will of God they are the purposes of God what God has instructed me to do and what we're going to see in this 19th chapter of the book of Leviticus both this week and in the next two weeks we are going to see how the commandments of God work in our life to bring us into demonstrating our covenantal relationship with God and that's such an important principle it is when I obey the will of God we can say it differently when I obey the word of God I demonstrate to others that I'm in a covenantal relationship with God and that's what we're called to do that's why it says all the the witnesses of the children of Israel that's the congregation we come together to testify and this is an important thing why well this word for congregation I'm talking about a different word entirely this is the word ada that is a group of witnesses but the word congregation is related that word kahal or kihila same word just two different grammatical constructions of that noun that word for kihila or kahal a congregation or an assembly is related to those who do just that they come together they assemble and it's that assembling that bears witness so we are commanded to come together that means this although it's fine for us to be fed and to to watch things on television listen to them on the radio or watch or listen via the internet nothing wrong with that but that does not replace and hear this carefully it does not replace us assembling publicly among other believers and that is factual it is in light of the instructions of God's word and that's why one of the things that we're trying to facilitate are groups meeting see we hear so frequently people say you know the congregation that I've been part of because of my commitment to the word of God because I take it seriously because I am obedient to what the word of God says more and more I feel less welcome in that congregation that I may have been in for years and they are kind of pushing me out or I simply can no longer participate in that that house of assembly that local congregation now that is not an excuse to not assemble we see in the word of God in several different places about the congregation the place of assembly and therefore we need to come together doesn't matter what the location is whether it is a place designated for worship whether it's someone's home or simply a place that people gather to do that that gathering together is important you cannot and hear this carefully if you are always simply 
watching something online and we do most of our work online but let me simply say because i'm obligated and i want to be fulfilling this obligation i'm obligated to tell you the truth that you still need to assemble with others whether that's uh five people or 20 people or 100 people whether it's on one day or another day we need to remember that we come together because if you don't god moves in the local assembly and if you're just online there's certain things that when you watch online you cannot experience as those who are there in person so realize that now whether you meet on this day or another day there's also the relevance on shabbat we've spoken about that many times and realize that the shabbat commandment is not uh, one day a week but the seventh day and there is still relevance in that that shabbat we're going to see that in a moment but press on if you would to verse 3. it says here a man his mother and his father you shall fear meaning this every man you are to fear and man here is an inclusive word it means male and female within this context so everyone should fear what does that mean give priority to the words of your parents now your parents whether we're speaking about the mother or father we see the mother is mentioned first but nevertheless we see that both the mother and father as the parent that parent has authority over the child and that child whether he is small whether he is uh, an adolescent or whether that child is now an adult we should see that that child should give priority to his parents in light of the instructions of god now the key thought here as we look at verse 3 is authority when it says fear that word fear is a word of priority it's also a word of submissiveness recognizing the authority of the mother and the father and it's interesting immediately after saying that and the mother and the father speaks of family and therefore we see as we move on into the second half of verse 3 and my sabbaths and realize and we'll learn more about this later on in this chapter but realize there are several different types of shabbats there's the one i've mentioned to you the seventh day shabbat there's also the high shabbat and that is a holiday as the first day of unleavened bread and the last day of unleavened bread there's also the feast of shavuot or pentecost which is one day and no matter what day it falls upon in fact the feast of shavuot biblically always falls upon the first day of the week and it's treated as a shabbat even though it's on the first day of the week and likewise we see other festivals the feast of trumpets and yom kippur again 
no matter what day they fall upon they're treated as a shabbat as well as the first day of the feast of tabernacles and a very special other day that many of you may never have heard of and this is called shemeni Atzeret, which is the eighth day assembly and let me just pause for a moment and say this we are now in leviticus 19 just beginning that chapter in this study but in a few weeks we're going to be in leviticus chapter 23 and in that torah portion called amor which means uh speak in that torah portion from leviticus chapter 23 there's all the special days so we're going to take very slowly and carefully these special festivals some are high shabbats and others are not but notice here let's go back to our verse verse 3 after saying fear your mother and your father it says my shabbats and not only are we talking about the seventh day shabbat and the high shabbat but also the shabbat years like shemitah the seventh year and also the year of jubilee there are numerous types of shabbats and he says here in the same way that you recognize your parents authority your mother and your father over you you honor them he's saying that same thing about him and how do we honor him we honor him through these shabbats and he says you shall keep why should we keep well why do we honor our parents and give them priority and fear them because they are mom and dad and why do we keep shabbat or at least acknowledge it we cannot keep it in the fullest sense according to the torah as it's written because there's no altar things cannot be offered up as shabbat requires and therefore we recognize shabbat and we learn from shabbat and we allow shabbat to to influence our life but we're not keeping it in the torah sense because it's simply an impossibility but we can still recognize that seventh day and why should we well he tells us i am the lord your god now we see and this is certainly true throughout the scripture when you study the gospels if you take a course on what's known as as exegesis and exegesis is simply the methodology by which we study the word of god so we arrive at the proper interpretation and there's laws for studying god's word we call those laws put them under a category hermeneutics it's through hermeneutics that we see the right way to approach the word of god and we see for example frequently in the gospel they tend to be the best example when we look at the four gospels we see that that what comes before a passage and what comes after and how that passage is constructed and how there's differences between mark's gospel and maybe matthews or matthews and luke's or luke's and john these differences can give us great insight and assist us interpreting well we have that same thing here the order matters why well what did we just talk about 
at the end of, of verse 3, Shabbat. And literally, Shabbat's in the plural. And we went through the various types of Shabbat's. And notice the thing that we're talking about in verse 4, idolatry. And here's what uh, Judaism teaches. And I would say, you know, be leery of that, except we see the same principle in many different places in the Scripture, whereby we find Shabbat observance and also idolatry mentioned side by side. And what the sages of old tell us is this. When you are are obedient to the instructions of Shabbat, obedience to Shabbat will keep you away from idolatry, meaning this. One of the purposes of Shabbat is to work in our life when we apply Sabbath truth to our life. It is going to teach us not to be deceived by the enemy and not to fall into idolatry look at verse 4 immediately after speaking about my shabbats he says and do not turn to idols the word elilim it speaks about idolatry and what is worship that ought not to be worshiped these idols and it speaks about the gods of And now we have molten, those that are shaped and formed by man. He says, you shall not make, and there's a very important term, and it's emphatic, the word lechem, which means for yourselves. Do not make these uh, gods for yourself, meaning in order to accomplish your purposes. Why? He says again, and this is repeated over and over, I am the Lord your God, verse 5. Now, when we want God to move in our life, and of course, today we find that there's no altar, there's no temple in Jerusalem, but we still can take the truth of this and apply it to our life because we're going to deal with what's known as a peace offering. And and a peace offering, that word, shlamim, comes from the Hebrew word for, for fulfilling to make whole, to make complete. And a peace offering is not what many people think. Oh, I make this so I have peace with God. No, that's a sin offering. A peace offering, you make that in order that God's will is manifested in your life. That you want to obey. So you offer up this peace offering, this offering in order that the will of God is fulfilled in your life. The peace offering is an offering for the mature. Look again at our our text. We're now ready for verse 5 where it says, For you shall uh, offer up, literally slaughter, you shall sacrifice, is another way we could say, a peace offering unto the Lord. Why? For your, and it says here, delight its word acceptability and what it speaks of is for your will which is should be what god's will is that it might become a reality in your life that's what he's talking about this is why that you offer up a peace offering for your will you have sacrificed it your will the implication is that you want 
the will of God to be realized. That's what a peace offering is about. It's all based in submissiveness to the purposes of God. Verse 6. On the day that you uh, sacrifice, it says, it shall be eaten and also me macharat, which means on the next day. But that which remains until the third day, you don't eat that. It says, ba'esh yisaref, which means with fire, it shall be consumed, burnt up, set on fire and burnt up. So it no longer remains. But notice something else, verse 7. But if one will eat on the third day, so if one should eat of it on the third day, it says pigul. Now, there's the normal word for an abomination, to'eva. This is a different word. And it speaks about something that should be be rejected, something that is offensive, and usually that which, by looking at it, it is repulsive. We use the word today in English, it's gross. The point is, we look at it, and it may not appear that way to us, but pigul is something which is rehensible to God's perspective. And it all speaks about one thing, and that is us agreeing with God. And that is what the peace offering is about. God, I agree with you. And therefore, because I agree with you, I'm making this offering so your will, your purpose, your desire is fulfilled in me and through me. So this is what the peace offering is about. And the one who shall eat of it on the third day, it says, and we can translate it, it is an abomination and and he will not be accepted. Meaning this, if we should eat of it on the third day, it is not going to be acceptable. God's will is not going to be realized by us. There will be no uh, positive outcome from such an offering. And then notice what he says in verse 8. The one that eats of it, what happens? He shall bear his own iniquity. That is a transgression. That is an iniquity eating on the third day from the peace offering. And it says, for the the holiness, that which is holy unto the Lord. What has this one done? He has profaned. And because of that, he is profane what is holy. It says, his soul shall be cut off. That soul shall be cut off from its people, meaning that he's no longer going to be part of the congregation. Why? He is not bearing witness. He is not truly committed to the purposes of God. He offers up a peace offering when? He really doesn't want to obey God. Now, we need to pause for a moment and ask ourselves a question. Do we really want to obey God? And let me answer it this way. If you have been born again, if you have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, if you are a new creation 
through the redemption of Messiah Yeshua, then being that new creation, that new man, that new woman, you are going to want to obey God. Why? Your new nature is going to be a nature that agrees with God. That new nature is through the Holy Spirit. Now, can a true believer at times rebel, quench the Holy Spirit, disobey the Holy Spirit, be rebellious? We all know the answer to that. Yes, we experience that. But that, and hear this carefully, that should be the exception, not the norm. Now, again, I want to pause for a moment and speak about something. Because in the scripture, it gives a list of various sins that if someone does them, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we look at that in some, for example, of those sins are lying. So does that mean one who lies will never be in the kingdom of God again? If you look at the grammatical construction here, it's speaking about something that is consistent. So someone who consistently lies, this is not what a new creation, that new man, that new woman, one who has been regenerated, one who has been born again, that's our, not our nature. That's not who we are. Can there be exceptions when we behave different than who we are? Yes. Many times I'll do something, and oftentimes this will be within the family, and I'll say to my wife, to one of my children, you know, that was not my heart's desire. This was not what I intended. I did something, I said something that was out of character. It's not who I am today by the grace of God, being a new creation. So we fail, I fail, we all fail at times, but that should be the exception and not the norm. And what it's saying here is this, someone who is truly desiring to obey, one who wants to fulfill, this one who offers up a peace offering, he would never eat of it on the third day because he knows that is an abomination to God. This one is not at all serious in what he's professing. He is making a false profession. Now, why do I bring the word false into it? Well, we're going to see that in a few minutes before we conclude. But notice something else. When we profane the holy things of God, and there's a relationship between holy and the will of God, when we profane that, we're not going to be demonstrating who we are in Messiah. Look, if you would, at the next verse, verse 9. Now, verse 9 talks about harvesting. And, and that is a joyful time. That is a good time. That is a time when we experience the faithfulness of God. And in doing so, the harvest time is unique because it's a time that we remember God, we listen to Him. He has blessed us. The harvest is, is plentiful. And therefore, let's be kind. Let's acknowledge God's goodness by being good to others. And that's why he says, look at verse 9. And when you harvest 
the harvest of your field do not and this next word is a word for bringing to an end in this context it means completely don't harvest everything don't harvest all that you have don't bring your harvest to a complete end and it's talking about the corner of your field now peat satcha has to do not so much with a corner but more as we would use the term in hebrew misgared which is more of a framework so we're not talking about the corners we hear that in english and we think well there's four corners there's one up here one up there one down here and one there no we're talking about like a frame goes around a picture and therefore god commands us now here again naturally we want all the profit that's natural but because god has made us prosperous he has given us a profit we should realize well that comes from him therefore i want to be like god i want to accomplish his will and therefore i'm going to be generous as well and i'm going to remember others as god has remembered me so he says the the frames of your fields it says do not completely harvest nor glean your harvest do not glean all of it so again he says it in two ways using two different terms do not thoroughly completely to the very end harvest and glean now what's the difference between harvesting and gleaning well harvesting is just receiving gleaning is going through and picking up what is is left behind meaning this according to biblical law you go through and naturally no one's perfect and there's going to be things left behind things that are not completely harvested not talking just about the framework those what's called corners but it's more like a frame of a picture we're talking about in the midst of the field not the frames but where it is the owner of the uh, field all of it is his but god says because of who i am do not completely thoroughly to the end so when you go through you leave things behind by accident not by intent here and it says you cannot return to get those and those things that you drop along the way don't pick them up all of those are for who will keep reading in the scripture look if you would to verse 10. now it's talking about fields in verse 10 we're talking about the vineyard it says and your vineyard do not glean and then we have the word here parrot parrot is an individual item and we see that it could be in most bibles will say every grape so you're in the vineyard don't uh, uh glean or harvest every grape of your vineyard you shall not glean why well here we have it for the poor and the sojourner you leave them why do we do it does it make good financial sense no we do it why 
because I am the Lord your God. Now, it literally just says, I am the Lord your God. We do it because we're recognizing his authority. I want to say again, this is big. If you want to grow spiritually, look for places in your life and they will manifest themselves all the time. Look for places where you can recognize, what does that mean? Demonstrate God's authority over you. You do something not because, well, this is how I think. This is what I naturally would do. But you do it because God has commanded. It may not make any sense from a logical point of view, from a human logical point of view. But you do it, why? Because he is the Lord, your God. And we remember others. We remember the poor and the one who's displaced, who happens to be dwelling among you. And remember, it talks about in the word of God, remembering the the stranger among you because you were strangers in Egypt. And let me just pause for a moment and go off on a brief tangent we have in israel refugees and i would like to say that that we are demonstrating great kindness and recognizing such scriptures and applying it to these refugees many of which are from africa some very poor places some very difficult places but i would say more more often than not we are not demonstrating that kindness that God commands us here in Israel to demonstrate to the one who has been displaced and is sojourning with us. Look now to verse 11. He says, Do not steal and do not deny and do not uh, uh, deal falsely a man with his uh, associate. Now that can be like a neighbor, a business partner, or someone who works with you and look carefully at these words where it says uh verse 11 do not steal some would say this might be withholding uh wages from not giving what contractually we are called to give so he says do not steal and do not deny meaning don't uh, hold back don't deny someone what they are supposed to to get and this word can also mean to to deny the sense a reality what is agreed upon don't uh, go back on your word and do not and this word means lie do not lie do not uh, say something that's false a man against and it's a word here that's usually translated in modern hebrew as a colleague an associate but I think many times in the Bible, it speaks of uh, his neighbor. Let's look at one more verse, verse 12, and we'll conclude. And do not swear in my name, that is to take an oath. Do not take an oath in my name. And what's the purpose of taking an oath here? Well, it's to lie. It is to, to take an oath in order that a person will believe you well if he's swearing in the name of the lord he must be serious and you only do that in order to deceive him and when we do that what happens we'll keep reading it says 
and you will profane the name of your god i am the lord so we do not and this word chilel has to do with profaning and what it does is this it causes others remember how we are called to be witnesses to bear testimony in a way that people see the goodness of god in us well this is behaving in a way that the opposite is 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 see and the word here and we use the term chilul hashem to profane the name of of god this word chilul comes from a hebrew word where we get the term outer space from something that's empty now another word that is derived from this root is the word secular and meaning someone who thinks there's nothing to god nothing to his word there's all this is just empty well don't bear witness in a way that people think that the name of god the character of god the word of god the commandments of god are are nothing that there's nothing to these things rather we should bear witness to these things recognizing his authority over us because these things are highly significant they are extremely important and therefore we want to demonstrate that to others that we might have a testimony that that demonstrates to others that we are under his authority and that we are committed to his purposes not our purposes we can say it differently that we are committed to his will and not our will our will has to be replaced with the will of god that's what messiah taught in the garden of gethsemane and that's what spiritual growth is all about us agreeing with god so let me conclude by asking you again are you someone that is agreeing with the instructions the the commandments of the living god wisdom demands that you do well i'll close with that until next time shalom from israel well we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.